When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 59 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex Town, Josh Hopkins. What up, Billy Joe? What's happening, Rex Everett Chapman? How are you, bud? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I do want to say publicly, I mean, it's uh, it's a little late now, but happy birthday. You Thank just you. Had, had a big birthday. How, how old you turn? 55, Josh. I'm 55. Uh, wow. Wow. Wouldn't it be I, cool if you were turning 59 t- today on the 59th episode? That would be really cool. But anyway, <laughs> happy birthday. Thanks. I won't see 59. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, I win the pot. <laughs> Oh, uh, 59 took, any famous do you know any famous 59s josh man that's a that's a tough one right i mean i'd go yeah. me me i'm a five so i yeah. go me or or uh damn fox or but i go me and then i'd go nine and i you know i go jordan in the olympics so i go nine I don't oh, know okay. I just jordan yeah. in the olympics but do you know a 59 i i think it jack ham maybe a 59 the linebacker. Did, yeah, we did with the Steelers. We did Jack Lambert recently. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he was fifty-eight, and Jack yeah. Ham is fifty-nine. We got a couple linebacker Steeler Jacks back that to we, back that we just and somehow we know them. Like it's crazy. They're not friends of the show, but not friends of the show. We know who they are. Yeah, uh, um, fifty-nine. Yeah, yeah. That was fifty-nines in basketball. Not many. Uh, hey, buddy, have you read anything this week? We should do book club. Oh, yeah. Let's let uh, let's let our uh, listeners know what what we're catching up on this week. I uh, I had a tough, tough week, actually. I uh, mm-hmm. I had um, I had to do stuff and I called my mom quite a bit. And yeah. I don't know. There was some good TV on. Um, but I wore a red shirt one day. Um, did it have any words on it? Oh, no, but it was red. It's like, I read that it was red. All right. Yeah. So So, did you read? Uh, you know, weird, weird story. This happens to all of us. I know I had one of those weeks where my fingernails and toenails were growing so fast that I just, it, it was nonstop clipping all week long no and we've all been there you know so it's just one of those happen no no where they just keep you just have to you can see them growing that you know we've all done it right and and you just clip 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 and i've never heard of that before if you don't you wake up and you're like a werewolf so I was clipping all week, had no time to read. So I, I didn't read anything either. Never heard of that happening. But yeah, anyway, well, that's been book club. 
Uh, look at my hair. It looks good. Uh, yes. What What else we got there? Oh, look. Uh, you got your prints behind you again. I do. I do. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Dude. Miss that, dude. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, uh, Rex, I on an episode of Cougar Town, there was a Halloween episode, and my character Grayson went as uh, Prince. And um, I think I, I, we have a picture in my, my the look in the picture. I'm very much doing that look Come that on. you see. Yeah, here we go. Look at that. Look at that. Huh? <laughs> Looks nice, doesn't it? Oh, it's genius. I you love know, it. That whole week, I was method. <laughs> Were you? Yeah. Every time the uh, I they finish makeup. I'd I'd go, you're welcome, and walk <laughs> off. <laughs> Game, Louses. I love it. Oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, you know you're a great actor, Josh. You're a great actor. I, it's amazing. It's amazing. It is. Sometimes. It is. What a gift. What a gift. It is. It is. Okay. Um, I love that. I gotta have that framed. Uh, Aaron Judge recently, Josh. Uh, yeah. AL home run record. I I keep going back in my basic baseball brain going somebody has the record already they hit 70 a few years ago but yeah um and that's the steroid thing and all that but 62 home runs um brings me to the point uh there there have been some uh pretty crazy records in the in sports Four in particular that I can think of. Which of these will be broken first? Ready? Are these basketball or all? They're sports? all over. All over the place. Skiles. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Are they all basketball? They're all uh, basketball. Yeah, they're all basketball. Yeah. Okay. Not Skiles. that we not that we talked about it first, and now we're pretending that right. uh, we Scott, haven't talked Scott about Skiles. it. Scott Skiles. <laughs> yeah. Scott Skiles, 30 assists in a game. That uh, just doesn't sound right. Yeah. Right. Uh Let's see what else we have. We got the fastest foul out ever, two minutes and forty three seconds. Bubble Wells, two minutes and forty three seconds. Got all six of his fouls. Uh, how about that? Yeah, uh, hundred okay. points in a game. Hundred points in a game by Wilt, and then uh, team points and a half. The Phoenix Suns in nineteen ninety scored hundred and seven points in the first half. Any of those four, which which will be broken of those? I think I know which it is. Well, what do you say? You would know better than I. You're the you're the basketball. It's a guess. It's yeah, a guess. But... but in today's game, with the way the game is played, I think that the the assist record, Scotty's we'll... assist record, can it's... may possibly be be beaten at some point. Well, that's the thing. The but maybe not. That's, maybe that's a crazy too number. Much well, well, it's the game is, you know, so three point dominated and it's different. And, you know, teams can catch fire and score so much. Uh, I think, well, first of all, I think the foul out can be beaten because that was intentional. Right. No guy yeah. goes in there and accidentally foul six times that fast. Right, that was a ha right. hacker Rodman or something yeah, right there, right. I think. Uh, Skiles is tough. What's what's uh, the uh, Wilt a hundred, Wilt a hundred oh. points, and then a hundred and seven points scored in the first half by the Phoenix Suns. Is that doable? Ah, I think the I used to I would always think Wilt, but yeah. the way the game is dominated by three, somebody's going to 
you know, pull a Clay Thompson for two halves or, wow. uh, you know what I mean? Like I, I'd say somewhere, somehow, All right. if Devin Booker can score fair 70, 70 10 years ago, somebody's yeah. going to get it. Um, I'd say the uh, points in the first half. Now I know that the game is, they, they score so much, but that was, they were playing yeah. a style that was just like, let's yeah, pace, forget about defense and just go, 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 go. Yeah. So that was a particular style of basketball that's kind of been rooted out yep. in, in a way. So I think that I would bet that's the hardest. Yeah. I, I, I hear you, bud. Um, how's everything in Austin, Texas, Josh, man, it's great. It couldn't okay. be better in Brooklyn. The same Brooklyn's the same. You want to get to our guest this week? I do. Because when you started talking about Aaron judge, uh, I was like, I want to get uh, our guest take on that. Yeah, same here. Let's get to our guest this week, 12-year Major League Baseball veteran, Bill Ripken, William Oliver Ripken, because we like to get the full name in there. Billy the Kid, Bill Ripken, welcome, buddy. Well, thank you. Let me hit the William Oliver first. Uh, it actually gives me a touch of class, which I don't have. Um, my dad, <laughs> what was cool, my dad had two brothers, Uncle Bill and Uncle Oliver, and I took the two uh, names uh, since Cal Jr. was already taken, uh, I took the two <laughs> names of my uh, father's brothers, uh, Uncle Bill and Uncle Oliver. I'm pretty proud of that. That's and great. What a career. Uh, you know, I was, you know, when studying up for, for this interview, I was, uh, you know, I grew up in the 80s, the 70s and 80s. And, you know, your brother was a, an established an established player, but right about the time that I was going out of college into the NBA, you were going into major league baseball. Uh, and I think we did end up crossing for there for a minute in the early nineties in Washington, while you were still with the, with the Orioles and I was still, um, with the bullets, but let's start at the beginning, man. You know, you're born in Maryland in a baseball family. What'd you do as, as a kid that didn't have to do with baseball? What other sports did you play? Um, I, I like to play them all when we were kids. And a lot of times back then it was seemed to be pickup sports, you know, and you can't talk about my life or my family's life without mentioning junior sporadically throughout the whole thing. Right. Junior always took care of me. He was the classic big brother. So if we played pickup sports and we played a two on two in the driveway <laughs> with hoops. I was on junior's team. If we played a neighborhood game of, of football in a cow pasture Junior always figured out a way to get me on his team and always looked out for me. But we did everything as far as the sports were concerned. And what's funny about it, too, because people just assume the baseball thing just dominated with us. And I remember my dad's last three years managing in the minor leagues was 72, 73, 74. So I was seven, eight, nine years old. Dad never denied me from going to the ballpark. But dad never made me go to the ballpark, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So when we were in Asheville, North Carolina, hanging out, the complex that we stayed at in Asheville had this nice, big Olympic-sized pool, a high dive. And dad understood that kids need to be kids. And he thought if he forces you to go to do something, that might take away from your interest in doing it. And like I said, he never denied me. If I asked when I was like eight or nine, those the last two years in, of that summer, um, I remember going to the ballpark more. 
and we would have our family dinner at like noon because dad was going to the yard to get ready for the 705 game. And that's the time that you'd sit at the table and say, pops, can I go to the yard today? And like I said, he never said no, but he never said, why don't you go with me today? Didn't do that. That's so no. smart. Kept the kept the love of the game and, and didn't, you didn't start to have any animosity towards the game. You know, that's, that's, really smart of him. And you guys obviously loved the game. Yeah. And, and I think we had a little bit of an advantage when it comes to that, especially later when we started playing in the minor leagues, because that's kind of what we grew up with. But I mean, I can remember hanging out in the dugout at eight and nine. I remember those years more because I, I bat boyed more. I also remember a three game series got you $9, $3 a day. And, but guys like Mike Flanagan would come up through rich Dower. Uh, Doug DeSensei, my dad had in the minor leagues. He had Jim Palmer up in Aberdeen, South Dakota. So dad's charge back then was to develop those players to get them ready for Earl Weaver at the big league level. And I didn't even think there was another league outside the Southern League when I was eight and nine years old because we'd go to the yard. I'd play catch with my favorite backup catcher, Don Hickey. Uh, we come home after the ball game, watch the news. It was about the Asheville Orioles. There was not a whole <laughs> lot going on. So my world was right there. And being able to go to the yard, clean some spikes, uh, run and get hot dogs for the starting catcher, Terry Clapp, because he tipped pretty well. I remember all those things. But being around that environment could only help us in the future. What a childhood. I mean, you got to look back on that because now you realize with perspective how lucky you were. That's 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 heartwarming. You All know, American. You know. Yeah. And, and the cool thing about that, too, was, you know, a lot of people, you know, we talk about senior and I'll talk about him more with this, I'm sure. But we also had mom. And when dad was away. So, you know, he'd go to spring training. We're in school. Yeah. Kids are in school. We can't go. So. It, we didn't go meet up with dad until school was out. And then mom's loading up the Buick Electra 225 with uh, four Rugrats, um, sometimes pulling a red trailer with that aftermarket U-Haul attachment trailer hitch on it. And she's driving us, you know, to, to meet up with pop. So uh, I think our group, um, my sister, Ellie, Cal, Fred, uh, myself, uh, we had each other you know, when we went away and did these things. But uh, the cool thing about being able to do that was we had stability in the family. Even though dad was gone, mom could play mom and dad pretty well at home on her own. Uh, pretty strong woman at, at the time and, and driving us around and, and just giving us the support that we needed. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, John Morant's poster dunk. NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards by making it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoe boxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Kay Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaq and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. 
Grab your starter pack today and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. Growing up, uh, my dad was a coach in our town at the local Division II high, uh, college. And, you know, he was like a star in our little world, you know, coaching star. And so we were Wayne Chapman's kids for forever. And, you know, we just thought the world of that. You know, your dad and your family seem to have that kind of a similar makeup in that regard. And you said before, it's hard to, you know, not talk about senior and junior. Right. Uh, do you remember... Uh, the time uh, when, you know, yes, your dad was talked about and being interviewed, but then your brother started, you know, kind of, you know, making a name for himself. You did later on, but do you remember that, that uh, period of time? And what was that like? If you do, I, I think you can certainly attest to this. It wasn't the easiest sometimes coming up in, in a family <laughs> like that. So junior certainly got it. You know, when when he went away and played in the minor leagues and things like that. But Junior was also a high draft pick, second round pick and kind of studly when he was going through the minor leagues. Now, he struggled early in the minor leagues. But then when he got to Charlotte and Rochester, he starts hitting the ball out of the ballpark and he gets up to the big leagues. I followed Junior. My senior year in high school is 82. Oh, by the way, Junior's now Rookie of the Year in 1982. Um, I go away and play my first years in the minor leagues. Junior's a world champion in 83 and, oh, by the way, MVP. So we kind of wore it. But if I can, wow. I'll switch gears on you a little bit just Please. to talk about Senior. Because I got Senior's fungo bat right here. This wow. is the one that he had ground balls with Come basically on. his entire career. And – I, oh I have to talk God. about senior because when we talk about the Ripken family, we always talk about junior. I get it. He's the Iron Man. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, the things that he did on the field were truly amazing. But I'd like to say that without senior, there would have never been a junior. And I'm not talking biological stuff here. I'm just talking about his influence on him. And what was unique about dad was he was real and he shot straight. And I remember him telling me, you're not him. You can't do the things that he can do. And some people get taken aback by that. No, he's being real. And then he told you, told me, he said, but if you do do the things that you can do, you're going to find in most cases that's going to be good enough. So senior had the influence on junior as this big kid at 6'4", 220 pound shortstop of gift. It, Junior would have probably played in the big leagues without senior's influence. He would not be the Iron Man, and I don't think he'd be a Hall of Famer. Wow. Myself, I didn't have the size that Junior did. You know, I was playing at 6'1", 180. Um, I knew how to catch the ball and throw the ball where I was supposed to, and that's what Dad was talking about. Do the things you can do and do them well. I could bunt runners over. I could move a guy over from second to third. But Senior's influence on two of his kids were completely different as far as the approach went, but it was real. So his job as a coach and as instructor was to take, if you're lucky enough to get a kid at this level, you got to get him to that level. If you get a kid coming in at this level, you got to get him to this level. So the, the, the pure baseball man that senior was, I think allowed him to take his two boys with two different sizes, two different talent levels, Got me in the big leagues for 12 years. I tricked people for 12 years. <laughs> Junior's in the Hall of Fame 
because of the influence as well. So it, it's just one of those things that I can't help myself. Everybody knows Cal Jr. I get it. But I'm just letting people know if there wasn't a senior, there would not have been a junior like that. I'm sitting here watching uh, watching you hold that bat. My dad's 77 now. Josh's dad just passed away this year uh, in his 80s, late 80s. And I'm sitting here watching you hold that bat, and I almost get tears in my eyes. I'm. Uh, I, we come from an era where, you know, our dads didn't show a lot of affection sometimes, some of us anyway. And so I wonder – you know, you ended up playing for your dad in the big leagues with your brother on the same team. Do you, can you remember a time during that where, you know, you could just see him sit back and, and be like, you know, gosh, damn it. I love you guys. And uh, do, yeah, do you ever right. think he, he was proud like that? The four letter word love didn't get thrown around in our family an awful right. lot. Right. And senior had this edge about him. A lot of people thought he was just as hard as nails, which he was. Um, and he always made this comment because he wanted to say, stay so much on the straight and narrow when it came to his kids. So when they asked him about us coming up to the big leagues and his, his story was always, I managed 25 kids in the minor leagues that I've all felt was mine. Right. Um, we heard it. We understand where he was coming from. Uh, I can tell you this, when you did do something on the field and he shook your hand, I'll guarantee my hand was shaking a little bit different than he shook yeah. Eddie Murray's hand. Right. He shook Eddie Murray's hand with love, but I think I got a little bit more. So when I go back and I think about my, my first day, and you mentioned the fact that I played for him and with Cal, I didn't have the career Cal had, didn't have the moments that Cal had, but I stood next to my brother during the national anthem of my first big league game. Wow. Uh, we go to Kansas City on the first road trip. I hit a ball. I'm hitting second. Junior's hitting third. I hit a ball, and I hear in the on-deck circle, Junior scream. Ah! So I'm running out of the box going, dude, I don't hit too many. But that dude behind me hits quite a few. So he must know that this thing's traveling. So I hit a three-run homer, my first homer in the big leagues. I shake my brother's hand at home play. Dad was actually the manager. And, of course, they give you the silent treatment on your first home run in the dugout. I could have cared less um, what they did in the dugout because I shook my brother's hand and I got my father at the top step. And that handshake right there, he didn't shake anybody else's hand like that. Maybe Cal, but nobody else got that handshake. So you knew there, there, was, a, there was a sense. Um, he cared about what we did a little bit more than everybody else, and I'm glad he did. Uh, didn't always say it, didn't always show it. The L word was not thrown around in our house, right. but we knew. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, you know, you speak, you speak of your father and your brother with, with such reverence and, and love. And you can tell um, uh, the respect and, you know, that, that you have for both of them. Was there ever a point where you did experience some animosity, you know, because you're a, you're yeah. a stud. You're 99.99999% yeah. <laughs> of people that play baseball. And right. because, you know, your brother, you know, has perfect attendance, they're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, look, I'm, I'm awesome. Like, was there ever any any of that, any jealousy, any uh, disdain, any, any, or is, is there any now? Um, I, I think you're always going to live with that. It, it, it's part of it, it's part of things. You know it. 
Um, I, I think in some cases I was treat, treated unfairly in a good way. And I was also untreated fairly, unfairly in a bad way. It didn't seem like you got too much of the middle of the road treatment. And right. when you did get the middle of the road treatment from the certain people that actually understood, that actually resonated more with you because then you could really latch onto that. And you knew, you know, everybody's got their own BS detector. And if they hit you hard in the wrong way, it flares up. If they hit you uh, hard in the right way, it flares up. But the people that are real with you, um, they know. And there's quite a few of them out there. There's going to be others at both ends of the spectrum. I get that. And it's just something, you know, that, that you have to deal with. Um, did you ever go through the time where you would lash out at somebody for the negative side of things? Sure, I did. Um, and it's hard. And there's some of the fan bases around the, the minor leagues that hit me hard. There's a couple in the big leagues that hit you hard. But for the most part, I think people understood. And the fact that I was in this small percentile of people, and with that said, I was still usually the 23rd, 24th, or 25th guy on the roster. But I was in an area where I did something that not too many people get to do. And the fact that I was there as long as I was, was pretty amazing. And I sit back on those accomplishments. I love the fact that somebody checks me out and says, you played 12 years? I love that. <laughs> yeah. Because they go, yes, I did. And it was because of that early influence, I think, once again, because the senior saying, do what you can do. Take care of yourself. I remember being in Texas. So I went to Texas my first time, non-roster player. And one thing I was pretty proud of in my career, if I had an opportunity to go to the big league camp, if I went into a major league camp to start spring training, I never did not leave with the team going north. I always made that team coming out of spring wow. training. And the second half of my career, I was always a non-roster invitee into camp. And I thought wow. I had enough smarts to look at who was being invited into camp. And I'd say, okay, right now I'm sitting probably 26. I got six weeks. I want to get to 23 or 24 because I don't want to have any misconception between the general manager's thoughts and my thoughts. So 23 or 24 gives me cushion. And I remember going to spring training one time with Texas. There's three utility guys going for one job. I'm sitting on the bench next to a utility guy. There's a utility guy at home plate. He strikes out. This dude next to me went, yes. And I looked at him. And I went, what? And he goes, he punched out. I, yeah, I saw it. And then I started thinking, and now I'm starting to fume a little bit going, he does that to me yeah. when I'm up there. <laughs> and, and it gave me that same flashback of what Senior told me when I first went away to go to the minor leagues when I was 17. Worry about yourself, son. Don't worry about others. You're going to see others do things better than you. But if you do the things you can do, you're going to be okay. And I think that that really resonated at that point in time. You can't worry about what everybody else did. And from that point on, if somebody that was fighting for my job in week number two of spring training got four hits in a game, I was never hacked. I was never disappointed. I was never woe is me. I still had four weeks to figure out, you know, what I could do to make a, a splash. And like I said, every spring training I ever went into, I might've been the 25th. I might've been the last thread. There might've been an injury in spring training, but every time I had a chance to make the team, I always left with the team. Wow. And see, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this and, you know, you just explained that so well. And 
but it goes back to, you know, if you're coached, if your dad is a coach, if he coaches at a, you know, a decent level, high school, college, you know, beyond you, you know what it's like growing up. Your house is like a locker room. That's you have the same rules at home and how you described, you know, that you, you could look at a roster, you know, you started doing that over your dad's shoulder when right. you, before you knew that was a thing. And so it, you know, your upbringing uh, had to just prepare you extremely well here to go and tackle what you were going to do. Talk to me though, a little bit about your mom. And she's got a family nickname. Why, why is that so great for you? And where do you develop this big personality we see on MLB Network now? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, um, I don't know <laughs> where this one came from. I always had the ability to yak or yap or whatever, like yak too, I guess, from time <laughs> to time. Uh, don't do that anymore. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> being in the house and, and being able to provide entertainment, like when we were all young together, uh, was was pretty funny. And there was a time back in the day, like I said, mom could play dad too. Um, and when Ellie, Cal, Fred, and myself were all fairly close in age, Ellie, Cal, and Fred really close in age, and then I was lagging behind him a little bit. When we started getting ornery, um, sometimes mom resorted to anything in her means to actually set the, uh, the table straight again. Probably can't say some of the things that she would probably do and throw, but uh, times have changed. But I think it worked out in our case. Uh, but it, it, I didn't need much help getting egged on from time to time. And Junior could always get me going in the right direction. Usually the instigator to have the ideas and then I'd be the one getting in trouble because he would lay low. But that's just kind of the golden boy and how he developed into being him. Right. But I think, you know, fighting for attention, maybe, you know, sometimes uh, being the youngest one to come up and having those three right where they were probably is part of that. I'm not sure about the nickname you're talking about with my mother. What, what is okay. that? I don't know either. It's one of it's one of my notes. I thought it was a, we a called fancy her, nickname. We called her violent sometimes because of my violent. <laughs> Okay, that's got to be it. And, and when she, when she, when she needed to be, I think she could. Um, but it, it was, it was very few times that she ever said, "I'm going to tell your father when, when, when he gets home," because she usually took care of business, right? You know, beforehand. There was a couple times that I think he had to lay down the law uh, when he did get back home. But she, um, she kind of had a way about her and. There's not one day that I would ever think that, man, what are you doing, mom? No, she did the right thing. I think at all times with us in the house, she had to do what she had to do. Well, in your post career, and uh, do you think about, you know, having looked back at all the gifts you said your brother had maybe that you didn't have? Do you look now and say, look, I have these gifts that he doesn't have in, in post career. He could could not do what you do broadcasting your personality, your flair, your charisma. Not that he doesn't have any of those things, but you're, that's a true gift you have. Do you ever think about those gifts now in now that you're not playing ball? Yeah. I don't want to say that I'm better than him on TV, but I'll say it. Um, uh, <laughs> it you know what? It's funny because once again, when I, when I view what I do up there at the network and I think I see the game 
very similarly, similarly that my father did. And I remember back in the day when he would stand at the top step of the dugout in the minor leagues and he's watching something and he had this, this ability, you know, there might be instructors in the game now that had more um, individual knowledge of one specific, you know, somebody might be able to get more technical on the hitting side or more technical on the pitching side uh, of things. No one I've ever come across in the game knew more about the overall game and how to help every one of those people on the field. Because back in the day, I remember dad was the manager. He may have had a pitching coach. So he's running everything. And, you know, if the pitcher throws ball one, ball yeah. two, fastball, fastball, ball one, ball two, senior yell out of the dugout, hey, pick your leg up a little bit higher. Now, the pick your leg up a little bit higher means the arm gets out of the glove a little bit quicker or it allows the arm to get out and then everything catch up. And then the next thing you know, the pitch goes downhill and it's two balls and one strike. And the pitcher on the mound looks in the dugout like, damn. So he was a teacher. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, the catcher doing something behind on plate, um, senior making a little reference with hand gesture, and that would happen. So when Al Bumbry came up through as a left-hand hitting center fielder, Eddie Murray's a Hall of Fame switch hitting first baseman, Cal, Jim Palmer, Rick Dempsey. Dad had the ability to help every one of those guys at any time. And I've never seen anybody be able to do that. And I think I was given a gift that I see things pretty quickly in the game when something goes awry. And then I think I have the deliverables, shall we say, to get that point across mm. and do some things. I, I think all four of us as kids, we took something from dad and kind of expanded on it with, with junior. It was this, um, if, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. I think that's pretty fair to say he took that and, and magnified <laughs> it. But I think in my particular case, the ability to relay something to somebody that you see in a way that they can grasp it, and it works. And then the, the beauty of that to me when I deal with kids from time to time is now you're teaching and you're not telling. You know, anybody can say, do this. Um, okay. But if you can say, do this and here's why, now you got something because when the light bulb goes off, they're going to come back to you. But if you just dictate what happens, I don't know if you necessarily qualify as a teacher as much as just a dictator. Man, uh, well said, Bill. When I when I retired in 2000, I had no idea what I was going to do. My body was beaten up. I started eating pain medicine and spent years uh, uh, on pain medicine. Uh, you retired in in 1998. You know right. what was what was that like for you to stop playing the game? You know something you'd done since before you can even remember. Um, and you know how was that experience for you shortly thereafter? We put a plan together. Here's once again was Big Bro's influence because first of all, I got released in 1998 by the 1998 Detroit Tigers. And I figured if I get released by them, I had to just quit. Um, so I'm, I'm spending time at home, right? It's the first time in a long time I'm halfway through the year and I light my grill out on the deck at six o'clock in the evening. And I got a few crispers out there on the deck while I'm grilling. And I'm sitting there going, this ain't bad. This ain't that bad. And 
Junior called me probably a week later and said, look, we're going down to Tampa. I know I've been able to spend too much time with you since, you know, you got released or since you came home, come down to Tampa. Let's see. What, let's see what we got. So I went down to Tampa, took a road trip with bro when he was down there playing. I wasn't, which was even almost more fun. And I'm sitting in the hotel with him and he looks at him and goes, let's, let's, let's get our Rolodex out and start thinking about who we're going to call and get you a job. And I go, I don't know if I want to call anybody. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. I said, if the phone rings, I might pick it up, but I don't know about outbounds right now. And he goes, all right, well, what are we going to do? And, you know, dad was doing something that he started a long, long time ago called the Cal Ripken uh, Baseball Academy. Um, it was out in Western Maryland. It was just kind of a two week thing going on. And Junior goes, well, you got the gift. What, what do you think if we head into this direction? And I think back then in 1998 in a hotel room in, in Tampa, that we figured out that this was going to be the start of Ripken baseball wow. and what we were going to do at the amateur level. And it was just one of those things where junior in the midst of his career figured out hey, dude, little brother might be hurting. Let's see what's going on. I really wasn't hurting that much. Um, I, I think I, I did my thing. Um, it, and it just seemed right. Uh, let's, let's try something else. And that's how kind of Ripken baseball got formed was junior pick, picked up the phone, called me. I went to Tampa. We sat in the hotel for a couple of days and figured it out. I want to get more into Ripken baseball in a second, but you know, that's just amazing to me at what, what was it about forming this that you felt baseball needed that young players needed there had that had to be sort of the impetus for it. Right. Uh, yes and no, because I think there was a part of me says, okay, I got to do something, you know, right. and, and we might but as well it's something, keep it you know, we got to yeah. keep it in, in the baseball world because yeah, Family that's business. what I feel uh, most comfortable with. And it, it just kind of snowballed, you know, you know, from there. And we really picked up the steam when we lost uh, pops and we tried to make it Bill, he, to he, him. Passed away, he passed away. He, he only he was only like 64, right? I mean, 63. 63. 63. We lost him 23 years ago. Um, and we, we started the foundation in, in his name and his honor. And we we're on the foundation and we're on this Ripken baseball amateur side, kind of different path thing, but two things running at once. But we just wanted to kind of let everybody know kind of what I told you guys to begin with about there wouldn't be a junior without a senior. And the other thing that I talked about, especially on the foundation side, the stability we had in the house, kids that we serve on the foundation side of the street, they don't have that stability that we had. Right. Um, they don't have a safe place maybe to go home to. They don't have a place to go to anyway. But what we've done at the foundation is we built over a hundred youth development parks now around the country that are all synthetic surfaced. Um, they're in areas that truly need it. We'll partner with a group in an area. Uh, Boys and Girls Club was a passion of both my mom and my dad. So a lot of those revolve around Boys and Girls Clubs where the people already care. Right. But now we put this bit of color into a black and white situation yeah. where it pops out. And now the kids leave school and they can go either that way or that way. Yeah. 
And we think if we put something nice and we raise the money for it, we build it, and then we gift it to that community. And if we put something in where the kids go out and play and, and feel good about it, who knows what that might take them away from. Absolutely. And that's one, of the, that's one of the coolest things. When you drop one of these fields in, and it doesn't have to be all baseball, they're multi-surface. Uh, in fact, Field 100, we dropped in, uh, in, in Baltimore, Maryland, it's basically a football field. Now we carved out a little corner for, for the baseball look. It's a football <laughs> field, but it, it's all the same because we want that, that kid to be able to go somewhere and the people we partner with, we vet them pretty well. We, we, we vet the right people where we know they're doing the right thing. We feel real good about it. And like I said, we drop a hundred of these parks around the country. Um, it's pretty impressive how we took dad's small town mentality that my father had. If I can touch it, I can fix it. And he probably, if he was sitting here today with us, he'd say, you boys are nuts trying to do this. But the only thing we've done is taken that small town, if I can touch it and feel it. And we found, we found a bunch more other people around the country that have the same mentality. And now we're kind of a national group instead of just this little local foundation. Well, the Babe, uh, Babe Ruth was the 13 year old baseball was right. called the Babe Ruth league where we grew up uh, years and years ago. It's, it's, it's been renamed now. It's the, the, the Ripken league, right? The Cal Ripken League. And yeah, see, back in the day, the, the, the thing that I think everybody's lost sight on, and we just didn't know because it's just, it's a brand thing. Little League has always had leagues of 13 and up. And Babe Ruth has always had leagues that were 12 and under. And the brand or that, that Coke or that Kleenex, you know, type thing that's been out yeah. there. Um, if any kid plays baseball at a young age, a parent will say, yeah, my kid plays Little League. Probably doesn't um, because there's about 12 million kids that play baseball, and I think there's about 2 million kids that actually play in Little League. So that leaves wow. 10 million other kids that play baseball at different, you know, levels. Uh, you Kentucky boys, um, the Cal Ripken division you of got Babe a, You have a connection there now, right? Well, we do, but the 12 and under division out of South Lexington, Kentucky – was pretty good for a period of time when we were hosting uh, the 12 year old world series. But what we've done uh, since then is we have a, another branch off that we've been doing is Ripken baseball uh, experience. We call it. And a lot of those are week long tournaments. Some of them are weekend tournaments. Uh, our firstborn was right here in Aberdeen, Maryland. That was our home place. That's where dad was born. Mom was born. We were all born in this area and, and grew up. So we started a complex there, um, Myrtle Beach folks. We went down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The Pigeon Forge uh, folks in Tennessee came to see us because they saw what we were doing in Myrtle Beach. So we have this wonderful complex sitting in the Smoky Mountains there. And now there's a 12-field complex in Elizabethtown, right? I said that right? Elizabethtown. Elizabeth Elizabeth Elizabeth. Yep. All right. Uh, I, I call it E-Town for short. If I hope That's I what everyone gets. Oh, e I'm going to stick with E-Town, but E-Town, uh, Kentucky now has a 12-field complex that they just brought us on board, and wow. we're going to run some experience tournaments there and some week-longs as well. So we're kind of branching out. Um, I don't know how many teams we did last year, 1,500, another 600, another 500, <laughs> another 400. You do the math. Wow. 
that's a lot of kids that come through. And what's pretty cool too is I'm at the age, some of these younger players that just got out of the game. So Mark DeRosa just had his kid up at Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, playing a tournament. Big Jim Tomey with his 612 <laughs> homers brought his 15-year-old boy down to Myrtle Beach yeah. for the tournament. Sean Casey's had his kids through our tournaments. Al Leiter's had his kid through the, the tournament. So I see all these guys coming through. Uh, Brian McCann just had his nine-year-old team up in, in Pigeon Forge as well. It, it's fun to see that because I'll bounce in to these different tournament destinations and do my thing. And I look over and I see a familiar face and I go, really? And then you go over and chat to them and see what you have. But it's an awful lot of fun. Um, I got some really good people that are on our staff and, and, and watch out for our brand probably way better than me and Cal could ever do because they're dealing with the crazy parents and umpires and sometimes volatile coaches right. that they see. And I think they handle things extremely well. Uh, when we have tourneys and everything else. So it's a lot of fun to think that we can bring kids in. And these complexes are nice. I mean, I'm telling you, nice. And we also know that that 1% or the 0.1% of people that get to do what me and Junior did, that's not for everybody. But is there anything wrong with having a 12-year-old kid have memories of playing in a baseball tournament where right. he thought he was playing on big league caliber fields? That's because right. in our complexes, we think they're big league caliber field. So we're trying to do right by that and let these kids have a great experience and a good memory of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including our popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. Josh, you played Little League in Lexington, right? Or we think it's Little sure. League. Yeah. I don't think he played Little oh, League. Run champion. Oh, it might not have been. It might did have you been have that patch yeah. on the sleeve that said Little League? I believe we did. Yeah, yeah. Then you played Little League. I think I was <laughs> okay. actually Little League. And I was a home run champ twice. <laughs> 11 there you and go. Anyway, I, I threw that out. So I so, turned my hips. That's all. <laughs> Bill, so, so, um, uh, oh, where, I was just getting ready to ask you about uh, something with your uh, brother, and I've completely lost it. Um, oh, no, that, that clears it that, up. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, jump in there, Josh. I had one thing I really wanted to ask Bill. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll get back to it because I, yeah. I really, I know we can't keep you forever. Oh, and No, I know what it is. I know what it is. So I grew up, you know, we all around the same age. I grew up set 1970s watching Reggie Jackson and the Yankees right. and Thurman Munson and all of that. And, you know, we've all watched it throughout the years. Bill, what's the biggest difference in Major League Baseball from the way it was played in the 70s and 80s as opposed to the way it's played now in the year 2022? Yeah, I might surprise people with this because I don't think the game has changed near as much as a lot of people think it has. The way we talk about the game, the way the the – analytics have come into the game yeah. is different. And it's funny about the analytics because back in the day, 
the, the, the misconception in nowadays game with some of the people is us old crusty dudes were just dumbasses that went out there and played baseball. Right. And that's not the case. We took every bit of information you could give us that we and had. then we would then we would do the verb. We would analyze it. Now it's become a noun. It's the analytics and here's all the things. <laughs> and there's about half of the noun that I don't think should apply today's game and has no merit or meaning. Now there's some other good biscuits. I'll take the good biscuits. If I'm a baseball guy, I love smart people. I want somebody to come and tell me this can help you win. Even if that person doesn't have any idea of what it's like to actually play the game, but here's something that I think can help you. I would, I would please bring it. But then by that token, you've also got to respect the fact that I know what I'm talking about in this actual game. And I'm going to say, I like this one, that one, go fly a kite, that one, go fly a kite, and that one, go fly a kite. They should respect that because there, there needs to be a give and take. So we always wanted information. I think what's different about today's game is everything's on a spreadsheet and you're taking months and months and months and months of data and you're analyzing that and you're forgetting about watching the game that's right in front of you. Mm. Yeah. Because if I got a dude that's hitting right-handed and he gets two knocks off a lefty and he looks really good at home plate, I don't think I'm going to be really that uh, quick to pinch hit for him when a right-hander comes in because I have a platoon that I play. It's what the book says I should do. Yeah. Well, the book doesn't say anything about how frisky a dude is. This dude's feeling it. And I don't need to necessarily pinch it for this dude because this dude with his two knots is feeling frisky. I might want him to go up there again. <laughs> if we go back to, to looking at some of the data that they're getting now, and, okay, this pitcher has a hard time getting through the lineup three times. Maybe so. But any given day, the dude that used to have trouble getting through the lineup three times, there's something about him that looks different today. He's got a little bit of extra pop on his heater. The breaking ball looks a little better. He's walking around the mound like he's the man. I may want to test the third time through the lineup on that. So I think that what we're doing is we're using some information and we're forgetting about that information that's right in front of you. And lastly, the teams that still win, are the teams that hit it, pitch it, and catch it better than the other team. And that's not going to change. I have this thing behind me right here. This is all old stuff, probably not even different, uh, probably different era, different times. But even that bat and those gloves and that ball, the teams that pitched it, hit it, and caught it better at that time frame still won games. Yeah. And I don't think the game has necessarily changed that much. It's what we're – we're forcing out there and what we're talking about has changed. Um, you make a great win. point. Yeah. I, I, I think about that because I coming up, we were really essentially the same era. I remember there being a shift. Like when I played high school basketball, there was no film to watch. We, there right. was, there was none. As I got into college, we started watching a little more film, got into the NBA and it was a ton of film. And now you're getting these analytics and, as a person who wanted as much information, I went through periods where I was like, 
this is too much. I'm right. playing basketball. I'm making thousands of steps and decisions out there all the time. And you can. Did you ever go through a period like that where you're just out there overthinking because so much shit is being thrown at you, unlike when you were a kid or, you know, before video? Yeah, I, I tell you what, the, the idea, and you made me laugh about the overthinking part. Think about the 10-year-old kid. Little Jimmy is playing, he's standing at home plate. And big Johnny's on the bump. And little Jimmy's got a little bit of apprehension about this, right? But big Johnny's out there bringing it. And the coach yells at little Jimmy, okay, make sure your hands are here. Get your elbow up. Look at your front side. Keep your feet right. And then, shoot, strike one. Because little Jimmy <laughs> just worried about everything else but what was important. And my father at a big league game, I can still hear him today. You're up at home plate with a man on second and two outs. There's no reason to look at the third base coach or anybody else. Two outs, man on second, it's you against that guy. And senior would yell, hey, see the ball come up to home plate and hit it. That's good. Brilliant. Because it, it, yeah. it's not rocket science. No matter how much we want to try to say yeah. sport is now becoming rocket science. Right. And this is what the numbers say. It's not a video game. You can't push button A and have something work right unless the player is all on board with it. And I just think about some of those simple things that you can do. My father used to say, and I agree with this because I turned double plays to end games at the big league level, first and third, one out. You're protecting a one-run lead, five, four, three, double play. You turn it, game's over, it's great. Dad would say it's a catch, throw, catch, throw, catch. If the first thing don't happen, the next four don't happen. And if we still go out there and play the game, work on the game, catch ground balls, throw the ball where you're supposed to, take your batting practice, try to hit the ball up the middle and spin the pitcher's cap, uh, pitchers throw strike one, game's not that much different. The teams that win still do all those little things right, no matter what they say about the outside numbers coming in. And, oh, this is what they do. Do they? I just watched <laughs> the game. They caught it, they pitched it, and they hit it. And that, get, that ain't ever going to change. Right, right. Uh, well, as a guy from a baseball family, huge, a purist, uh, a baseball guy by anyone's definition, uh, Aaron Judge has hit 62, uh, asterisk. It, what do you think about it? Who's the home run king? I, I lean towards Aaron Judge on this. Um, I, I just think that uh, there was so much – was there any proof anywhere else that was 100% positive? I don't know. I don't want to care uh, that much about it. But there was a lot, a lot of smoke surrounding all the other conversations that happened before Aaron Judge at 62. There's no smoke around Aaron Judge, which means there's no fire. If there's smoke, smoke, smoke over there, there might be a little bit fire that you kind of think about and, and raise your eyebrow on it. Uh, what Aaron Judge was able to do is it's awesome. Um, I watch him since he's come up and dare I, I put him in the same kind of classes like Derek Jeter with the Yankees, because when oh. Derek Jeter came up, he did everything right. He was always playing hard. He played every day. That's what Aaron Judge is. He does wow. everything right. And I was so, uh, I guess, relieved for him the other night when he hit that. Because you yeah. can tell he was probably squeezing the bat a little <laughs> bit tighter. And that's only human nature. Yeah. Uh, trying to get that one, but him getting that thing out of the way 
Um, that's a beautiful thing. But I, I lean towards Aaron Judge right now. If you had to make me make a vote on who's the uh, home run champ for a single season, it's Aaron Judge. Let me ask you some other things, because we don't know baseball that, you know, he's a basketball guy and I'm a neither guy. So we don't we're not purists by any means. Like I read like um, it's a down year for slugging and it's a dead ball year, which I have no idea what that really means. And he's done that this year as a baseball guy. Do you notice that? Is that make it more impressive? Well, what's impressive is he has 62 and Trout had 40. Um, there's a 22 homer gap um, with Mike Trout. Um, wow. And, you know, you got to go back and look at probably compared to when Babe Ruth was out homering teams, you know, because that's about the last time we saw a gap of this much. I will say this about the new um, thinking that comes into the game. I'm more alarmed with the average being down, and it's not about overall velocity. I hear that too much. Guys throw harder now than they ever did. I don't buy that. Guys go up to home plate nowadays, swing out of the rear end three times and walk back to the mm-hmm. – and it's almost accepted. And once again, if you go back to watch these teams that have won over the past few years, and I mean won, raised the trophy at the end of the year, they've either drastically cut down their strikeouts from the year before or have always been pretty good at not striking out. Mm-hmm. And you put the ball in play. You think about what can happen. If you take three swings and walk back to the dugout, guess what happens? Nothing. It's an out that goes up on the board. If you put the ball in play, you always have a chance. So the slugging by Judge, yes, it's, it's, it, it makes me like go, wow, because of the 62 down to 40. Um, but the average being down – it's not velocity. It's guys that will swing and miss. And, you know, before Hank Aaron passed away, he knew a thing or two about hitting home runs. He also knew a thing or two about a man on third base. And he said it was a failure if he didn't get him at home plate. He didn't want to strike out. And for some reason, the thought process is, okay, we do more damage on home runs than just a lousy base hit to right. I'll take a lousy base hit to right over a strikeout. Uh, any yes. day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I think some of our thinking has been a little bit morphed or warped, if you will, over the past few years. Um, but there's still guys and judge it three eleven and it's 62 yeah. bombs. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so don't tell me it can't be done. We can't hit for average. Because and he's also can. the best tight end in football. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is an absolute beast. And and the thing about him at home plate, too, because I don't think you can take a 10-year-old kid and show him film Aaron Judge hitting and say, you should do this. Because yeah. I think he is so unique and he's such a unicorn. He is so big. He is so strong. And he can do some things, maybe not copacetic in the 100% fundamental world, but it just kind of tells you that um, one size doesn't always fit all. And if you know where your barrel is and you know where the baseball is and you're that big and that strong, then you can do it. Um, but I don't know if you can show a 10 year old and say, Hey, try to hit like this because there's coaches out there and there's dads out there trying to get their 10 year old to do it. That 10 year old's going to be playing soccer pretty soon because he ain't going to have much success. So don't do that. Parents don't do that. Coaches let you get yeah, kids and use their own swing. For perspective, I read the other day, and it just put it in perspective for me, was that Aaron Judge is an inch taller than Zion Williamson. I was like, 
what what a beast beast he's an absolute Um, beast oh my gosh uh all right before we get to the last couple questions uh yankees dodgers braves or astros who do you like the dodgers wow good 110 wins you know you're looking at them going really the astros um really good uh yankees maybe if I'm looking at the scenario of the four teams that you mentioned, I might have the Yankees on the outside of that force and looking in. Wow. Wow. I mean, the Braves, to quote Ric Flair, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. Um, <laughs> the Braves just came back and shocked the Mets with what they were able to do. But the Braves from June on were the best team in all of baseball, including that Dodger team from June on with the record as far as wins. So I think the Braves actually just took that but out of your four teams i'm leaning braves those four teams are the ones in the foursome just because it's a great story watching those guys i think snitker knows what he has he runs riley out of third base 160 games he runs swanson out of shortstop 160 (laughs) games he runs olsen out of first base for 160 games um he's got starting pitcher and he uses them they got a good bullpen put together so I, I like the Braves out of year four. Judge, the judge watch has, has gotten all the press deservedly in some ways, in most ways. But what do you think of Otani, what he's doing? And because that's we've never seen this in, in our era, in the modern era, for sure. And he's probably he's his offensive production has been on par with last year and his pitching has been much better. And he was MVP last year. What's he talk? Just talk about him. I think the only word you can use to describe him is a freak. Um, and you mean that in the best of ways. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, there's, there's a lot of discussion that happens at the end of the year on MVPs. Um, I look at value to a team in a specific instance. And sometimes there's a hang with them that comes in. Aaron Judge, to me, is the MVP of the American League. But now with that said, Otani probably should win the MVP for the next 10 years. Because there's no one that does what he does or provides the value to a club. Now, with that said, the Angels not winning games, and that's my big hang with them scenario. But Otani, what, what, what amazes me about Otani, and I thought about this, is if he just decided to go pitcher, I still can't really fathom him being better than what he does. On the other side of that, if he said, okay, let me scrap pitching and let me just go to hitting, I don't think he could be any better than what he is because he's so good at what he does both ways. And now you combine this where I just saw he qualifies for both uh, awards, like ERA title and slash batting average title. If he hits 25 homers a year and makes 25 starts, he should be MVP. Or he's the most outstanding player baseball has for the next 10 years, because I don't see him not doing those two things. That's how good he is. I actually think that, and I'm going to steal one from Dan O'Dowd, former general manager with Colorado Rockies and the Indians. Dan O'Dowd said this when Otani came up. He'd like to see him be a ninth inning guy and and try to focus that way. So instead of throwing Mm. maybe 150 Mm. innings, maybe give me 60 innings out of the pen. And how cool would that be? If Otani goes bridge in the eighth, right, puts his team up with the eighth and then trots out across the field to go to the pen and lathers it up and then comes in and gets the save. 
I think that would be one of the coolest things. And when Dan O'Dowd said that a long time ago, should he pitch? Should he do this? And Dan says, he ought to be a one-inning guy. I agree with that. And I think before it's all said and done, that's probably what's going to happen with Otani. But he, he is he's truly amazing when he's doing the things that he can do on both, both, both sides of the ball. God, that's fun. So fun. Uh, Bill, what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie. This is funny because my kids give me a lot of grief because no matter what movie comes on, I say only the best movie ever, um, <laughs> which it's kind of I like, too. So, yeah. so Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights is in there because that's kind of <laughs> lying is in there with the, he won yeah. the Academy Award, really for what? For the best movie ever. Um, Armageddon comes on. I watch it all the time. Uh, I'll throw out a little dirt on myself. Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2. I have kids. I have kids. I can't go Pitch Perfect 3, but the first two, uh, quality. Like the Godfather. Armageddon all day long. I can watch Armageddon. Um, The first Independence Day, (laughs) I've watched that one all day long. You have a theme. And mm-hmm. really, you can't help yourself from watching uh, any of the Indiana Jones ones. I like them all. Yep. And Back to the Future seems to run through its little thing. Absolutely. Where if I'm flipping through the channels and I, I get any one of those, I'm yeah. just locked for the day. I bet you're a Braveheart gladiator guy, too. He, those make it. Braveheart is quality. There's no <laughs> question about that. And I left out all the Marvel movies. I'm kind of yeah. big into that. <laughs> as well and i think we even went through a period where my kids were telling me which ones came out in order so then you have to watch them in that <laughs> yeah. kind of order to go uh so i do great. like the i do like the ragnarok movie though thor ragnarok i think may be the number one out okay. of the movie. all right great answer then Fantastic. all right bill what um front row center for any speaker entertainer sports figure dead or alive band group singer the whole thing, dead or alive, front row center. Elvis. Uh, just watched that. Just watched the new thing that came out, and uh, I was watching it again last night. Um, I tell you what, I was not a big fan of the Colonel uh, after I watched that movie. Um, no. Thinking yeah. what was going on there, but yeah. if we read that right in the movie, and that's accurate, Elvis is still the number one uh, selling artist as far as that was concerned. Yep. And and I remember all those things like when you when you watch it, like that little stage setup that he was doing the one little comeback yeah, for it. Right. Know? And then mm. when he did the song in front of the Elvis, um, yeah. and then you see all his gyrations going on when he was out in Vegas. So that would have probably been the one. I'd have liked to I'd have liked to see her hung out with Elvis if I could have. I saw that movie. The kid that played Elvis was so good, wasn't he? Good. It was spectacular. And what what struck me, because we're from the same time period, basically, here, because when it said, he, and I don't know the exact number, but Elvis died and he was 43 or 44. I was like, yeah. what? When yeah. I was like, he was... When I was a kid, I was like, he was a, like 87. Of course he died. That was so <laughs> yeah. young. I had no idea he it yeah. was that young that he died. I remember the day, I think we were going to school, uh, middle school, uh, if I remember correctly, and heard it over the radio and was in disbelief then. Yeah. You know, it's some of those things that you catch. But watching I remember my mom again, cried. My mom cried. 
And I remember, you know, I was saying it was I was with my dad in the car listening to the radio on our way home from the racetrack where we weren't supposed to be. And <laughs> I, I had to get home. We had to get home. My dad said, remember, we don't know about Elvis because we weren't supposed to. Be, we were at, supposed to be at the track. We got in and I, I was like 10 and uh, my mom's crying and and. <laughs> She he goes, what's wrong, honey? She said, Elvis has died. He went, oh, my God. And I just walked right to my room. <laughs> you, you couldn't you couldn't give him assistance. You just walked away. Smartest thing. I'm going to get busted if I do something here. So I'm just going to get on. That's right. That's right. Bill, I can't thank you enough for this. Uh, please come back and do this again. This has well, been I tell a blast. You what, this, this was quite the pleasure, not only for doing this show with you guys, but I looked at uh, some of your people that you've had on the shows. Um, I'm quite honored to be in that list. Of, uh, you got some big hey. dogs on there. Well, you know, I was going to bring this up. Uh, the, you explained just perfectly a second ago about the difference in, you know, the approach and hit, uh, as opposed to everybody just trying to hit bombs as opposed to getting on base and scoring runs and winning games. The great Rod Carew said almost the exact same thing to us. So you're in good company, bud. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, you know, man. We're, we're honored to have you, man. Thank you. Let's Thank do it you. again. Thanks, right. Bill. Bill Ripken. How about that, Josh? Well, he was, I think that guy knows a little bit about baseball. Man, I could sit here and listen to him talk about it, using his little slang, the juice and the pop. He's got a little zip, got some sauce. I could yeah. listen to that all day long. He's got a little more pop in his bat, walking with yeah. a little stride in his step. What was the one? He used one term that was like, that guy's, you know, I'm not yeah, replacing him because he's frisky. frisky. He's, he's frisky, frisky today. Yep, he's, he's frisky, frisky today. And like, we all know what that, that means. Yeah. We all know yep. what that Even means. Even though we had never known that term, that frisky. was in it, and we were like, Got it. The guy's feeling it. Yeah, he's, he's got something today. He's frisky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like he he deserves a heat check right now. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel a little frisky yeah. today. That's yeah. what. But that, I just find it fascinating, and I saw parallels growing up as a son of a sure. coach and that all that stuff. But man, it, and he did just a great job of explaining, you know, his brother and his brother's success, and his dad and his dad's success, and. You can only imagine for the youngest kid growing up in in those shadows had to be tough at times. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. For, and and uh, and you know it as well with the you know the fathers demanding fathers. It's you know um, his the reverence he speaks. Yeah. Uh, of with about his father and his brother. Yeah. You when he brought out brought, that fungo bat. When he, I oh, mean, yeah. we've all Amazing. we all know those old fungo yeah, bats. Yeah. And that he's got his dad's fungo bat. I mean, it just gave me chills. Yeah, yeah, me right? too. That's such a baseball. What yeah. baseball is? Moment, build it, and he yeah. will come. Yeah, that he's was, got it right that there. Was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, bud, let's do this again next week. That was Bill Ripkin. One, two. Yes, sir. All right, let's come back next week for the next episode of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lextown, Josh Hopkins. We'll see you back here next week on basketballnews.com.